Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic. What makes the best leaders so good? Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. Hey there, Tomorrow's Leaders. So yeah, you know I can be tough on businesses sometimes. It just frustrates me when I see businesses that should be doing certain things and could be doing things better. It all comes down to leadership. On the same end, I always love to see businesses that are doing it right. And today's guest does it right. She is someone who is a great entrepreneur, a great business owner, and most importantly, a great leader. This is Ashley Heaster who runs... Ashley's Harvest Moon Bakery and Cafe located in Holly Springs. I've been going there for a long time. This is my free plug just because I love the place and I'm like, I've got to find out who the leader of this place is and just I'd love to have this person on my podcast. And so I got connected with Ashley. I asked her all kinds of great questions that I was curious to know how she did it and turn this place around in such a short period of time and you will not be disappointed. So here we go. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Larito, your host today with a great guest. And let me just set the stage for this. I want to introduce our guest in a way of my own personal experience. I have been to this fantastic coffee shop that I've been going to for the last six months. And I'm like, wow, this place is just totally turned around. I love turnaround stories and it always comes down to the leader. So I got in touch with the owner who we have here today, Ashley Heaster, who owns Ashley's Harvest Moon Bakery and Cafe in Holly Springs, an absolute dynamite place. So Ashley, welcome and thanks for joining. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. You know, we talked, I know, and obviously have gotten to know each other a little bit. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I love turnaround stories. And uh, I walk in, as you know, Lisa and I do our Monday morning meetings at your place. We start our week um, and we do all of our business planning for the week. And it's just this really great place, great environment, great food, great service, great coffee. Um, and it wasn't that way beforehand. I know you you got into this last year, so I'd love to hear the story. You know, how did you get into this business? And uh, I got a whole bunch of other questions I want to ask you. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of how it all started. So I graduated from NC State back in May. Um, and I was just sitting down at dinner one night having a conversation about, you know, Ashley, what would you do if you made your money and, you know, could pick anything, what would it be? And I just said, it would, my dream would be to own a coffee shop bakery. You know, once I made it, that would be the dream. And so my dad was like, well, what's stopping you? And I had no answer. So, you know, I was in a job at that time doing marketing stuff and kind of just not doing what I was passionate about. And so I went on my lunch break one day, found Harvest Moon. Um, me and my dad toured it, loved it, fell in love with the people who owned it before. And we were just like, this is it. Like, I'm meant to be here. And so we took the leap and here we are 
six months later and it's been doing awesome. So I'm glad that you guys have enjoyed it as well. Yeah. I mean, I, and I guess we started going there in July, which was only a few months after. When was it actually that you bought the place? So I came in at the end of July when I looked at it and bought it and then opened it. August 8th was our official opening day. Wow. So that might've been right around the time we start. I think maybe it was August uh, because I moved down here in July. So, uh, yeah. so wow, what a difference. I mean, it wasn't like it took a long time because a lot of businesses, it really kind of ramps up. It takes a while. You've got all yep. the kinds of things you got to do from figuring out what's going to be on the menu to really getting the right people and training them. How did you yep. do it so fast? <laughs> So I always tell people it was kind of an acquired situation more than just, you know, opening a bakery. But I think one of the amazing parts about it was actually COVID, believe it or not. Um, COVID is really the only reason I was able to, one, afford getting in there. And two, I was kind of able to, because it was kind of closed down at that time, inch in towards learning everything, every part of that business is because, you know, it wasn't right out of the gate that we were just being flooded with people asking questions and coming in because people were still quarantining and staying inside. And so it really was a blessing to be able to afford this place and to just be able to open it and learn everything as we went. So, mm. so in a way it was kind of a, a blessing almost uh, to yes, some degree. 100%. Yeah. Yep. And people are now are might be listening to this at a different time. Here we are in February of 2021, so we're still in COVID. So it's not like yep. we're out of the out of the woods by any means. Yep. Um, but what was that? I mean, most people. Did you have hesita hesitate hesitation? I mean, that's that's fearful for many people to start a business in and of itself, let alone to do it in the middle of a a pandemic. Oh, definitely, and especially you know being the age that I am and having the limited experience that I do, I was 100% fearful. And, um, you know, I just thought it, it might be a crazy thing to do because here I am 23, just coming into it and not knowing a single thing. And, you know, eventually you just kind of have to get out of your own way and just believe in yourself. I think that was the, the kicker for me was I just kind of got over my fears. And obviously there was a lot difficult in just saying I got over it. Um, and I just went for it. You know, sometimes you just got to, ignore your insecurities and just see what happens. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's, it's easy to say, but it's really, yeah. really hard to do. I mean, how did you, I, and, and that's the other thing I will say when I was, I, and I'm always fascinated by businesses that turn around. It does always come down to leadership. Uh, there's many businesses that have great products or services, but they fail or they hit a plateau yep. and it's because of leadership and others that grow exponentially. And you certainly have. So when I was trying to figure out who the owner was, I just expected naturally I'd come across somebody who had 20 plus years of running <laughs> uh, restaurants and businesses and, and whatnot. Yep. And here you are 23 years old, you took this leap and you've done unbelievably well as a leader and a business owner, which just fascinates me even more. But talk, talk to the audience and myself about your, your, if you're, if you're willing to open up about it, what was yeah. your, you know, your insecurities coming into this and how did you, cause leaders deal with that all the time. They take on a new challenge or they get a promotion or they buy a business. How did you kind of reframe your thinking and get to a place where obviously you had the, the confidence that you need to do this. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, my dad always said this to me. Um, this is a saying that kind of helped me through and it might would help a lot of people too is, 
you have what you need if you know what you have. And so just to kind of unpack that a little bit is that, you know, I knew that I loved people. I knew that I was, I would like to think that I'm good at, you know, loving people, serving people um, and bringing value to their lives. And so I just kind of focused on that more so than the other little things, you know, as you said, I had very little experience. I maybe had three to four years in restaurant business, but absolutely no clue how to run one. Um, and so I'd say the main way that I got over those insecurities was just knowing that if I loved people and cared about them, that they would follow me. And so um, another part of that too is hiring a staff that is strong in the ways that you're weak. I think that that was a huge thing for me because my staff all has pretty much over 10 years of experience working in restaurants, baking, cooking, whatever that may be. And so eventually I just had to realize, you know, I couldn't get stuck on the little things because at first um, I wanted to be perfect in every part of the business, like the financial side, the, um, you know, learning the, I don't know, math equations that go into payroll and stuff. And I was getting so hung up on those things. I was like, oh my gosh, I got overwhelmed. I couldn't, I thought I couldn't do it. And then eventually, you know, I just realized you can use other people to be strong where you're weak. So it wasn't really the only thing I had to care about was making sure that our values were aligned and that we could really take care of people yeah. to have something special. Well, that's, that's interesting because a lot of leaders, it, they've, it, they might've been leading organizations for 20, 30 years and they still have not come to that conclusion, or maybe they've heard it that you need to hire to your weaknesses and surround yourself with great people that are in essence better than you in reality. And your job as a leader is to help make your team better than you. Uh, yeah. But you, your instincts told you to do that. And how is it leading people like that? That's also a challenge for leaders too. When you lead oh, yeah. people that are so talented and as a leader coming in, you might be thinking, wow, how, these people know a heck of a lot more than I do about this. How do I lead them? What do you do? How do you lead somebody like that? So I would say what I did, and I don't know what it's worth because I don't have much experience, but I think that if you love people enough to steer them in the right direction, they're going to respect you no matter what age you are. So I think the easiest way to do that is to one, like we spoke about earlier, is to come up with um, core values and kind of set your vision early of what you want this place to be. And then, you know, help people buy into that vision and to understand what it is that this place is about. And then you can steer them in that direction much easier. And it is a complete challenge. That was probably the hardest thing. That is the hardest thing about my job now is, you know, loving my people enough, even though they have 20 plus years experience on me is that, you know, things have to be a certain way if you want to make it a consistent experience for everyone. And so right. I would say definitely loving them enough to so tell them when they're doing wrong or right. Yeah. You know? Well, that's important. And I love uh, that. That's also an important word. Love, love them enough. It's not coming from a bad place. It's coming from a good place. And okay. when you're talking about vision and values, Talk to me a little bit about the values of the organization and not just what they are, because I'd love to know what are the core values, uh, yeah. but also how did you, how did that come about? Was it something that you put them out there and tried to get buy-in? Did you do it together with the team? I mean, how did you create that? Yeah. And so the most important book that I've read so far is called Traction. 
and I brought it, which, you Excellent know, book. a copy of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it, basically the author, Gino Wickman is his name, uh, recommends that businesses get their team together and they basically come up with their core values. And that's exactly what we did. So, you know, I got everybody together one night after hours, we got pizza, everybody sat around. Um, and my dad and his assistant were the hosts and they had those big sticky notes pads hanging all over the bakery pretty much. And our question was, if you guys could clone three people to dominate this industry, who would you pick and why? And so everybody went around and someone was scribing, you know, each of the characteristics that that person said for the clone that they made. And so with that, you know, we just narrowed it down to these five that we have. And I think that was a huge step for us because it not only created the values, but it let people feel like they were a part of a team and that they were, had a hand in molding how this business was going to be moving forward. Yeah, that is so important because your team now has buy-in because they created, think of how powerful that is. And, and just yep. all, all the leaders out there, when you're thinking about and you're listening to this, you're thinking about your own organization. How much buy-in do you have to the value core values? Was it something somebody walked in? Now, granted, maybe your business has been around for 20 years and somebody just came into the organization a year ago uh, or this year, but how much you know ownership do they have in that? In your case, everybody was part of creating those values. Mm -hmm. I love that. And what are they? What did they? What did, what did you come up with? Yeah, so I can kind of unpack them a little bit more than just listing them. But our first one is servant's heart. I think in any restaurant, that's very important, or in any business for that matter. Um, it's just kind of making sure that your team loves people as much as you do and is going to take care of them and put them first. And I think that's really important. Our second one is being a team player. You know, I think when someone comes in with a bad attitude, it's very obvious and it's it's contagious. Unfortunately, that if someone's in a bad, bad mood, you know, it's going to surround the people that they're with and it's going to affect their mood too. So I think being a team player to us means coming in ready to, you know, be a positive light and impact that business in a good way. And not only that, but their team, their other team members too. Um, our third one is hardworking. Like I said, in any restaurant business, you're going to be working hard is what I've learned. Um, and it's, it's a good thing, but when people come in, you know, when a customer walks in that door, it's game time and they, you know, have to be, committed to serving that person and keeping the place up to standard. Mm -hmm. um, our fourth one is dedicated. So I just, my main reason for that one was because I don't want people to just come in and punch a clock, which is so easy to do in this industry, especially um, it's just kind of go through the motions, but I wanted my people to be invested in it and want them to see how can I make this place better every day. And I've seen it tons of times, you know, our bakers, they create stuff all the time and it's really cool. They're always trying to come up with new recipes, new things. Wow. And systems to our barista, she came up with a new dating system for us that made it so much easier, more efficient um, for food dating, how long food has been in the case and stuff. And so I think that that was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then finally, our last one is eager, which to us means always wanting to grow. Um, Right now, we're really working on cross-training everyone. And so that was something that was brought up in the meeting that everyone wants to know how to do everything in case something were to happen, which especially in COVID is really important because if something were to happen, we want everybody to be able to fill in where others fall. Mm -hmm. So 
so that's fantastic. Um, I, how there's a difference between though having creating values that just stick on a wall or on a sheet of paper and never go back to them versus really living those values. How do you make sure? Are there times, for example, when you see people, uh, some of the team that are not living in, in alignment or working in alignment with that, uh, whether it's the attitude or dedication mm. or whatnot, and not displaying those core values. And what do you do as a leader? How do you handle that? Absolutely. I think having the core values makes it extremely easy to see when someone is not acting accordingly or following those core values. And once you set them in place, it becomes really easy to tell them when they're falling short because they helped you create those core values. So it's almost like in those situations when people are falling short or losing sight of the vision, you can say, hey, this is where you're falling short and you helped me create this place. Mm. What's going on? And I think at first when you're doing it, it's tough. It's tough to hear, especially when it's coming from someone who's a lot (laughs) younger than you. You're like, I get a lot that, you know, why are you telling me what to do? Like, you don't know what you're doing kind of thing. But they love you for it in the end, I think. Yeah. Because it's only out of love. And do you you have some of the team themselves? Do they they kind of protect those values too? I mean, are they calling each other out or even, you know, high-fiving each other when they see those values come to life or when they see somebody moving off track? 100%, you know, and there's been so many examples in our business now with our team, you know, some, sometimes things just happen. And um, there was a certain conversation that I had. And as soon as that employee kind of snapped out of the funk that they were in, everybody around him was like, Hey, what happened? You're, you're a completely different person. Like people, people noticed it. And it, I think it changed that person's life for the better. And everybody around him was encouraging them like, Hey, I love this version of you. Keep up the good work kind of thing. So 100%. And especially after establishing the values, it becomes a lot easier. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh I love that. So how does it look when you have somebody come into the organization, you're hiring somebody new, you've already established these values and this culture and everybody's protective over it because they were participating and creating them. How do you kind of dip somebody into that? And and when does that start? How does that look? I think a lot of leaders would be interested in that. Yeah. So luckily I haven't had to hire anybody yet after creating these values. I think that's a good thing, you know, cause people are staying there and wanting to work. Um, but certainly in the future, when we hire people, we're going to go through every single one of those values that we set into place um, and kind of make sure that that person checks off all the boxes and that they're aware ahead of time. Hey, this is what, what we require of you. Is this something that you can commit to? Um, for sure. And I think that will set us apart from other bakeries and other restaurants in the industry. I think, you know, not settling is very important, especially when you're dealing with your team. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that's important. So when you're that, that's something that in the hiring process, I mean, that's really part of the interview process, I guess, to, yeah. to go through and see how, how, how do they fit within that? It's not trying it's just I see a lot of businesses that they're they're settling on they're either doing one of two things either they're settling on people because they feel like they just need somebody and mm-hmm. they know the person doesn't fit that's one problem or they don't really have a way to 
measure this person against any kind of standards. They don't have core values. They don't have a way to say, does this person fit? They don't even have that piece of it. Um, so I, I see that as a really common problem. How important do you think it is, just in general, not even just business, but in general, to surround yourself with the right people? Oh, I 100% think that you are who you hang around. Um, I think it's so important to surround yourself with people that are better than you. Um, I know that oftentimes people are intimidated by the others who are smarter or pretty or whatever. Um, but there's always going to be someone who does something better than you. And I think that it's important to surround yourself with people that make you better, that make you smarter. And I think that's true in business and in friendships, whatever it may be. I think it's extremely important. Yeah. Make you better as a person too. Absolutely. So those people that have, and, and many people do have people in their life or in their business that are bad news or are not helping them or their yeah. organization get to where they want to get to, um, your strong belief is they they don't belong there. You need to get rid yeah, of them. I think no matter how desperate you may think you are, um, hiring people that aren't good for your business is like an illness. I think it's you're never too desperate enough to sacrifice, you know, your values and what you believe in. Yeah. You know, I've seen different periods of time and, you know, I've, I've led organizations for many years and sometimes you think you've got the right person and then you get them in and you realize, yeah. wow, they're not. And and I've seen the damage that you've, that one bad hire or one bad person, how they can really infect the rest of the organization. And especially a small business or a small organization, you yeah. know, you think if you've got 10 people Every person has 10% weighting in terms of an influence, in terms yeah. of the culture of the organization. That's a lot. It's a lot different than if you're bringing one person into an organization of 100. So even yeah. more important, when you're building a business, you know, you started with a really strong group of people, which helps build the business. My guess is if you had even a great vision, which I want to talk a little bit about, uh, but e even if you had a great vision, but the wrong people that ultimately wouldn't have come together. It wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be the place it is really right now. Right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So where do you, where do you see this going? What is your vision of the, of harvest moon? Well, certainly now I can already see that um, we're growing very fast and we're growing a lot. And I think that, you know, coming forward, we're going to have to buy new spaces, especially to meet the demands of our, some of our customers. We just started doing custom cakes and we're doing them in a tiny, tiny kitchen. So you can imagine that that gets pretty um, cramped in there. And so certainly, especially after COVID and things start opening up again, um, we're definitely going to need more space. And so that's where I see us right now. Um, and moving forward, we're also just kind of, I told you I'm implementing a new system where we're kind of tracking what's selling and what isn't to just kind of see what needs to be changed. What could be doing, what could we be doing that's better, more efficient, things like that. And so yeah, that's pretty much how it's going right now, but I'm excited. To that, see is where this grows. that is exciting. And to be growing like you are during this pandemic. I mean, when this, when this is behind us and we get back to normalcy, I mean, that's really where you're going to see the growth of uh, and the payoff of all the great things that you're doing. Yep, 100%. That's terrific. So as so, let me ask you this. Just, you know, obviously, you've had great success in a short period of time. But 
I also know that with great success, you hit a lot of obstacles. Some of that people don't see. They don't see the pain or the struggle and whatnot that you've had to go through. What Mm -hmm. has been the toughest thing? What's been the hardest part of this last year? I would say the toughest part is the work it takes to do what I'm doing. You know, I've, I've always been very hardworking, but I never really realized how tough restaurants can be. Um, and luckily my team warned me of that because they've worked in it 20 years. And so um, I can remember on opening day, I was completely a mess, I'm sure, like just running around very chaotically. And I remember it was an amazing day. You know, we hit a huge record. We had people in right at opening. And I remember coming home because my head hurt so bad. I threw up six times and just fell asleep because of how (laughs) overwhelming that day was. But moving forward, you know, I would say the biggest challenge is just being able to believe that you are equipped to do what you're doing. And that's what I found for sure. Because at first, you know, I was very scared, um, very insecure that anything would even come about this or that it would work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, you know, just kind of jumping into it and believing in yourself and believing that your team's going to carry you um, through all of it is very important. And that's kind of a couple of the challenges that we've seen so far is just, you know, taking care of people. Yeah. Do you, do you have, um, do you have any kind of morning or daily rituals that you use to kind of get you into your A game, so to speak? Oh gosh. I would say, well, usually in the morning, I'm very chaotic of a person sometimes, especially in the morning. Cause I was not originally a morning person. Um, I was more of a night owl type. So getting up at 445 every day was not wow. the move at first. So my first focus was being on time um, and being there because I was the main baker when we first opened. So that took some adjusting. But now I would just say, you know, I love it in the morning. It's the best thing for me is getting up that early and just getting my day started. And, you know, I listen to a really good playlist on my way to work um, and get my energy for the day because I definitely notice when my energy's down people go down with me. So it's just not an option. Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. You know, as a leader, it's like your whole organization is a reflection of you. And yeah. if you are in a bad mood or you're not, you're dragging, um, there's no way uh, your people can't drag. I remember, wow, this just brought back a memory. I remember I, w- I took over an organization once and I remember uh, the I saw the manager, one of the managers that worked for me, walking in with his tie and no exaggeration dragging on the ground <laughs> behind him oh my gosh and his he was holding his hand not his tie wasn't even on his like slumping his shoulders and i'm like dude what <laughs> what is going on like what i mean yep. it just that's an extreme example but i mean you know people take on your disposition and you know i walk into your place in the harvest moon and it's everybody's friendly everybody's in a great spirit Everybody Mm -hmm. makes eye contact. They say hi. They smile, even though everybody's got masks on, but you can still tell. I mean, and that's that's the big difference. And when you've got competition out there and people have choice because there are other coffee shops, people, you know, there is another one and I don't know anybody there. I go into your place. I know everybody there. It's a whole different comfort factor and a feeling of warmth. And that starts with you. You know, you set that tone. It can be very easy for people, especially when it's busy. Uh, to just be like, you know, in their own world and not engaging with the person, the customer coming in. Yeah. And it's funny. I have, 
a couple of customers like you who come in every day. So they see me in all forms and it's kind of funny because um, I just had one guy come in on a Saturday and our Saturdays are crazy. Like they're wide open and my hair, I guess was everywhere. Like just, I had it up and it was everywhere. And he was like, what happened to you? And I was like, Oh God. (laughs) So, you know, it's just funny. You can certainly tell when I'm busy. And he said, you know, I know when your day is going good, when your hair is messy. And so I was like, well, that's, that's, you know me too well then. <laughs> so right. um, that was fun, but that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's been yeah. awesome sense. And so I would say the morning routine, is just being in a good mood. Yeah. That's, I think week. that's so important, you know, and that's, you know, the, there's leaders that don't necessarily understand that or embrace that and realize how important their demeanor is and, and how I always talk to leaders and there's sometimes leaders that will say, you know, I'm really frustrated with this that's happening in my organization. And I always start with, well, let's start with looking in the mirror. What are you, you're frustrated. People are coming in late. What are you doing? Are you coming in late or you're frustrated with people with a negative attitude? What's happening with you? What's your attitude like? And a lot of times it does stem from, you know, where, what the leader's doing or thinking or saying or how they're, they're behaving. Yeah, 100%. That's definitely true. One of the things I remember you said um, when we we talked originally was about how you treat your uh, staff and you treat your employees. I think the way you said it was you treat them like you treat your guests. Is that what I remember you saying? Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah, I said that because, you know, they're just as important as any customer that you're going to have in your business. So I think... I always try to treat them like my family and you take care of your family and that's really important. And I know that they are grateful for that. And especially when, you know, we had a couple of people who, um, you know, struggled with stuff personally and I just love them through it and try to push them in a direction of growth and, um, you know, improving themselves. And I think that goes a long way and it helps keep your turnover down as well because people want to stay with somebody who cares about their well-being and their families. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then you also get people that really want to, they, they, they want to see the organization succeed as much as you do. It's not just collecting yeah. a paycheck. Do they contribute? Do you, do you tap into their brain power for ideas on, you know, marketing and things like that and new recipes and new. You oh, know, definitely. Recipes. I tap into them probably more than I tap into my own, Um, just because, you know, one of our bakers worked 10 years at Disney. Um, her name's Allison and she, she always has new ideas. She always brings up new perspectives. She has collected over the years, so many different cake molds and cake pops and just stuff that she brings in constantly. And it's like, Hey, can we try this? And then our other baker, she also tries to bring up new things. You know, she's leading the cake industry for us and she's, awesome at that. You know, Travis, he's always trying to come up with new specials and new recipes. And I think that's all very important, especially when, you know, you want your buy-in from them. And you also, your industry does better when you get other ideas and not just rely on your own. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Do you have customers that give, uh, that, that give feedback or ideas? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Customers always tell you what they feel for sure. Yeah. Um, sometimes bad, sometimes good. Uh, but I think the people who know me and they know that how much I want this thing to succeed. Um, I always tell people, in fact, the last time I gave a cake, it was a new flavor for us. And I said, when you come back, I want you to give me the brutal honesty of what you felt about it so that I can improve it. And she was like, she kind of laughed, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm serious. I need your feedback. And so that goes with anything. 
and that people tell us. I remember when we first started, one of our customers, she was like, you need to have a salad on this menu. Like she, she's one of my dear friends now. But then I was like, oh my gosh, like, is this what it's going to be like? Just people telling you what needs to happen. And right. Turns out, you know, we're like, okay, we'll do it. And so we put up a salad on the menu and it's one of the best selling lunch items now. And so we named it the Ellen after her. Yeah, I've so, had it. It's a great salad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've had it. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so I think definitely feedback is invaluable for sure. Yeah. Especially for customers because they feel more yeah. invested in it if they had a hand in making it too. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think a lot of businesses do a good job of that or miss opportunities and don't? I would say miss opportunities. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of just from personal experience, when I go to places or if I hear somebody suggest something, most of the time, you know, they say, okay, and brush it off and never give it a thought again. But mm -hmm. a lot of times when people ask for things, it's because they want to invest in it and they want to, you know, purchase those items, whatever it is. And so I think 100% yeah. it's a missed opportunity to not listen to people's feedback. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting. And there's some businesses that just don't, they don't put themselves out as being approachable to even receive any kind of feedback. Right. But there's nothing worse than the ones, and I've given feedback to a lot of businesses, hey, you know, you should do this, or this is kind of a strange policy that you have, or hey, here's a way to generate some more business. And uh, a lot of times they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great, you know, that's a really valuable point, and then nothing changes. So it's like, okay, yep. well, I guess I guess they didn't think it was. <laughs> yep. So you can get a lot from your customers and your clients, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, that's why I get most of my insight. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, definitely. And then also just that's how that's how your business builds, because when they feel good and they feel like, you know, when Ellen puts a salad as an input uh, uh, impact and input and yeah. ultimately gets a salad on the menu, then that's kind of cool. And she feels part of the place and then she refers people. And that's how you build. You get better and you, you get more referrals and people come in based on recommendations. Yeah. Yep. So she comes you, in all the time. So you, what about social media? Like, is that a big part of what you do and good and bad? You know, what, what does that look like? Yeah. So before I got started into the bakery, um, I was actually in a marketing job before that. And it was actually a huge stepping stone towards what I'm doing now is because I was able to learn, you know, all the little tricks that you do on social media to get more viewage or to get more traffic on your sites and stuff. And so that was a huge milestone for me. And I didn't even realize it because at the time it wasn't what I was passionate about. I was sitting at a desk um, designing things and I just wasn't happy doing what I loved. And so I took whatever I learned there and brought it to our business now. And I think that was a huge turnaround for us, you know, from the previous bakery that was there before is, you know, they didn't have enough time to be present on social media. And so I think it's just making that a huge priority made all the difference for us. Does it really? It makes that big of a difference for you, you think? It really does because, um, you know, everybody has probably a thousand give or take friends on Facebook and Instagram and they post us. And I think that, you know, we get a lot of customers that come in, come in saying, hey, I saw you online or hey, I saw so-and-so's post on Nextdoor and we had to just try you out. So mm -hmm. I definitely think that made a huge difference yeah. for us. It's interesting, you know, that's, it is, it's challenging for some people, just the know-how of how to do social media. And then there's sometimes yeah. there's even discomfort with it. It's like, okay, I feel like, uh, you know, it's, 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 people are vulnerable, feel vulnerable, oh, yeah. putting, putting things on social media. Um, but you found it's, it's a brand builder and also oh, yeah. a way to, 
add an element of communication with people that love love your place and yep. and everything especially when you're falling on a budget as i am all the time um yeah. you know you it's free advertising it's it's just so accessible to you to use that it's yeah. crazy not to that's true is it what's the bad side of it do you find i mean like when people you ever get you know when you get bad reviews or anything like that i mean there's yep. there's an element you can't control there how did oh how yeah deal with we've that? we've gotten a couple of reviews that are bad and you know it eats at you at night but there comes a time when you got to realize you know you're not going to please everyone yeah um there's always going to be some people that just will never be pleased um and that happens i think that's just part of life and you just got to roll with it and take the ones that are really valuable like if someone actually has a bad experience you know approach them um, contact them as much as you can and try to fix it. Um, but that's certainly the negative is when people start to leave bad reviews. And some of ours have just been different things from, you know, upcharging a little bit on an item or I don't know, but every single review we've gotten is like your, your staff is amazing. So I think there's yeah. been a little bit of positive in all our negative feedback. So that's really good. Well, the good thing um, is, you know, and everybody that I've talked to and everybody that has been there, uh, there's always such positive things that people say, and it's like unsolicited. It's not like, Hey, what do you think of Harvest Moon? It's always, Hey, that's a f amazing place. And it really is, you know, and every time I go there, I'm like, the parking lot is, is more and more busy. It's packed. Mm -hmm. There's more people in there. And it's like, you know, that's, just the sign that this is, uh, and it's new. So people still, <laughs> it's a new business and it's not like everybody in the surrounding communities may even know. And maybe hopefully this gets even the word out a little bit more to a new audience. Yeah, I hope so. so. We're, for bro sure. we're broadcast in 53 countries. People listen, but largest, oh my is gosh. In, yeah, largest is in Holly Springs area and surrounding areas. So that's good. That's so awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It, do you feel as a business owner and as a leader, how much of your role is marketing versus managing the operations and everything like that? I'd say a lot of it is, is dealt with marketing, but I'd say an even bigger part too includes word of mouth marketing and building relationships. I think that's something that I pride myself on and that I pride in my team is that I try to encourage them to always make a connection with a customer, whether it be, you know, are you doing anything fun today to, Hey, how's your kid doing from when he fell, you know, down to the specifics. And I really try my best to learn someone's name. And I try to help my team learn their name and just things about them that make them feel like they're part of our family there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pushed us a long way. It's just when someone comes in, I say, Hey, John, or whoever it is, and it just makes a difference. And I think that sets us apart from most places is just the family aspect. 100%. Yeah. How do you remember everybody's name? That's a lot of people. I have no idea. That's a skill <laughs> I didn't even know I had until I got here because usually I'm horrible at it. But and I, as soon as masks go away, I'm going to forget who everyone is because I, I don't know what they look like. Yeah. Well, um, that's, I think, what makes it even harder. Like masks. I walked by a friend of mine at a, at a uh, lacrosse game recently and I went back and I'm like, Mike, I, you know, you can't tell with the yeah. mask on. I'm just looking at eyes. So, that's, yep. And that's I always, I taught my team the smiles, which I don't know if you've learned this. This could be a valuable skill, but smiling with your eyes. Yeah. Especially with the mask. Uh -huh. um, well, I know for me, when I go to places now, it's like there's no interaction whatsoever. People, um, 
especially in food, you know, you just put your order in online and you pick it up or they don't make conversation with you. And I think, you know, trying to make those connections Mm -hmm. is important, especially right now when people are just dying to have some kind of human interaction um, when they come into a place, especially ours where you can sit inside or outside. And, um, you know, that's why I always push my team to talk to people and introduce yourself. Yeah, people need that for sure. That's that's a, a a disappointing thing that's happened with masks is people seem to be less social and don't want to yeah. look at each other and interact at all. So um, I appreciate your efforts in bringing that back. At least yeah. it's it's not lost in Harvest Moon. So that's yeah. good. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I know we're we're at the the end here. Um, I could talk to you for hours because there's so much good stuff that you're sharing, and I know the audience is learning and uh, the wheels are turning. Um, and just in terms of like maybe last thoughts or maybe one last message, because you've got a lot of leaders out there that are listening, that are running organizations, but you also have people that are thinking of starting a business. Maybe they've been thinking for a lot of years about starting a business, they've never done it. Any last pieces of advice you'd leave them with? My last words are do it. I think, um, the best thing I ever did for myself was leap, take the risk. Um, once you believe in yourself, you can literally do anything that you set your mind to. I think people are all equipped to do wonderful things. They just have to believe in themselves. They're able to do it. So do it. I love it. I love it. That is a great way to end this show. This has been an absolute pleasure, Ashley, honestly. And I, I hope we can do this again sometime. I'll obviously be seeing you a lot. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you joining today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And thanks, everybody, for joining today. We've been here with Ashley Heaster, owner of Ashley's um, Harvest Moon Bakery and Cafe right in Holly Springs. If you have not been there, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's phenomenal. If you have not been there, you got to pay a visit. I don't even care if you live in North Carolina or not. Make the trip. It's worth it. They have fantastic place, great service, great people, great food, great drinks. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed today. Make sure you give the thumbs up, like, share it, comment, all that kind of good stuff. Subscribe and go down below. Give a five-star review. I greatly appreciate your feedback and look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.